the first time is always the hardest time <laughs> so for anything for anything the very first time is always the hardest time but if you break the cycles and do it then for sure it it comes by practice Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Ken's Nearest Neighbors, the podcast where I bring in fascinating people from my world to talk about life, data science, sports analytics, content creation, and much, much more. I'm your host, Kenji. This guest called in all the way from Germany. Vijay Pravin Maharajan has had quite an impressive career in data science as well as a speaker. He was named on the top 40 data scientists under 40 in India, and he was the first Indian-born man to be invited to give a TEDx talk in Germany below the age of 30. Vijay came from an electrical engineering background and currently works for the German branch of Siemens, where he's a data analytics expert. If you're interested in learning more about him after watching this interview, you can find some additional details as well as some really good content on his LinkedIn, where he boasts over 33,000 followers. In this interview, we focus on how to transition into data science from less traditional majors like electrical engineering, how to break into data science roles in other countries, which is a much requested topic, and how to get comfortable with public speaking. Please enjoy the interview. So Vijay, thank you so much for coming on. I think you have such a cool story and you do such awesome public speaking work within the data science realm. You're really able to make a lot of these very complex concepts sound so straightforward, even to kind of the layperson here. I'm really excited to share your story with my community, especially how you got into data science, how you went from studying electrical engineering and moved into learning the data science skill set, and then a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, again, thank you for coming on. For me, it's it's. It's early morning for you guys, uh, early morning for you, I guess. It's 7.30 in Munich, so I live in Munich, Germany, so thanks for taking up your time. So my data science story is, isn't, a, isn't a, a straight road, so I had to uh, dig in a lot of uh, stuff. I had to do a lot of self-taught uh, learning, self-taught programs. So back in 2013, uh, I came to Germany to do my master's in electrical engineering so i am not someone who has close connection with data science so from electrical engineering to data science it's, it's always a tricky path even nowadays even now it's, it's forget about 2013 so even now it's, it's a tricky phase so i had to do a lot of youtube uh, lectures i had to take up a lot of courses online like platforms like udemy coursera udacity linda from linkedin so I had to go through all these stuff before I had my first impression on data science. And luckily I got a student job where I was working with Telefonica, which is a mobile telecommunications company in Germany. So I got that opportunity, grabbed it with both the hands, did that well, uh, did an internship and also converted that to a master thesis. So that's how it went from zero and uh, now I am pretty confident that um, I have got a good name in Germany. So I'm one of the recognized uh, data expert here in Germany. So yeah, <laughs> that that's in short. That's awesome. And you know, 
Was there anything in the electrical engineering degree that you think did contribute? I mean, I, I'm a big believer in every step of life. You know, I did business. I even studied environmental science for a little bit in college. But, you know, all of those experiences, I think maybe even if they're small, they still contributed yep. to that learning journey for me. Yep. So being an electrical engineer, uh, I had a solid foundation in mathematics. So that helped me a lot, of course, uh, understanding the uh, the depth of some of the concepts, some of the statistical uh, concepts. And uh, I did electronics and instrumentation, to be precise. So while taking up instrumentation, I had to deal with a lot of sensors, actuators, where I take a lot of data readings. So let's say from thermometers, from pressure sensors, from actuators. I grew up uh, playing around with a lot of data. So that helped me a lot, I would say. But yeah, in general, uh, taking up engineering was helpful, to be honest, was helpful to me. So even if uh, it is not exactly related to data science, it helped me uh, in certain facets of uh, my data science career. It, will, it, it also sounds you know, like your, your first internship was probably a reasonable hybrid between data science and electrical yeah. engineering. And that's something I really always like to stress is that you take your pre-existing skills. You know, let's say I came from a marketing background. There's no reason I have to jump straight into data science doing like financial uh, data science for financial markets. Right. I should start doing data science on marketing data because I'm combining that field I already am very comfortable with and moving forward. And I also think that, um, you know, just in general, dealing with sensors now, you know, you fast forward to 2020, that's probably one of the, the coolest emerging areas of data science, machine learning, AI is the combination with robotics and getting the sensor data. And so I, I think it, it ended up turning out pretty well, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, now it's like the uh, rolling the ball reverse. So a lot of people are now working on Internet of Things, which is again like uh, devices communicating with each other. So ultimately, I started with something, came into data science, and now it's like rolling backwards. And I could see a lot of devices communicating with each other. Let's say your smartphone communicated with uh, communicating with uh, smartwatches. Your uh, smart kitchen is there. Smart home is there. So I, I could imagine a bulk of data uh, that is uh, that is I mean that that is being released from every single day <laughs> from a lot of it, it's unbelievable. I mean, uh, NVIDIA sent me over uh, one of their little Jetson nano devices for me to give away on my uh, for one of the, the videos on my channel. And I mean, the things that, that are relatively cheap and very powerful where you can do, you know, AI mm -hmm. machine learning, even on the devices now, even on the things that are collecting the data themselves as sensors is is mind boggling to me. And, you know, there is yeah. a huge E component of those. Uh, I'd love to, to kind of stay on that same lane, but talk a little bit more on the career side. And you said you, you started with an internship and, you know, yeah. that was, that was one way that you were able to start working mm -hmm. outside of India, get a job in a different yeah. country. Yeah. That's something I have absolutely no experience in. I mean, I've worked in the U S mm -hmm. my whole life. I, I don't know what it's like to uh, apply. Do you have any, any tips, any other pathways? For people who are saying, "Okay, I do want to work in a, you know, in Germany, in somewhere in Europe, in the U.S., 
Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the best practices there? I would say uh, for uh, for fresh graduates, they can uh, come for a master's to Germany. So that that that's uh, one of the cleanest option and easiest option, in my opinion, to to grab an opportunity in Germany later. So that is one. And uh, if you are already working in a company, let's say in India, in anywhere in the world, you can grab an on-site opportunity. So people call it an on-site opportunity where you will be sent to Germany for, let's say, a couple of months or three months or six months. And then people come here, and just switch to the local employer here, and uh, they make use of that opportunity. That is the second option. And the third option would be directly applying to jobs in Germany. But the third option is just like rather difficult because, yeah, because people, uh, HR, they usually give preferences to uh, people who live locally. So let's say people who live in Germany, uh, at least who live in Europe. So that, that's the hardest option. But of course, it is also one of the viable options. I know people who, who just came directly from India after uh, working some time in India. So that's also possible. That's awesome. I, I think with those first two options, something that I'd really like to highlight is that, sorry, drink some sparkling water and no, no, no. really like to highlight is you know, when you're talking about sales in general, which can be a little mm-hmm. bit different from data science, you have the idea of a, a warm transfer and a cold transfer, right? So a warm mm-hmm. transfer is when you talk to someone who, who you're already familiar with, you already know, and that gives you a higher probability of closing the sale. Yeah. When, yeah. when it comes to jobs, if you're going through a university, universities mm-hmm. have relationships with a lot of these businesses, and that gives you a, a higher chance of, of landing one because you have that exactly. connection there. Same exactly. thing if you're already working mm-hmm. in the company, that's probably the, hot, the hottest transfer. You, know, you already have mm-hmm. the job, you just have to move within, and, and that process is so much easier. I see so yeah. many people yeah. that they're like, okay, I got all these internships and, I, and you know, now mm-hmm. I can't get a job, what do I do? It's like, well, you're, you should be asking the companies that you got the internship with. Your, your goal with the internship is to hopefully work at that company after you finish and get an offer there. Um, yeah. So, you know, people aren't looking at it as like, you know, they're just racking up experience. They're not looking mm-hmm. at that like it could be the end opportunity, which they 100% mm-hmm. should be. Exactly. So they're not thinking about the conversion ratio. So most people, they just grab an internship. And as you said, they're just racking up the, the experiences. So they just want to boost their profile as if they, they are doing, they, are, they have done four or five internships in different firms and they have wide range of opportunities and experiences. But that's not the case. So you should always have that in mind. So it's always uh, first about the conversion factor. So if you get an internship, do that well, convert it to a master thesis or a bachelor thesis, do that well, grab a full-time opportunity. So that's the safest bet. Rather than, again, starting from scratch and looking for jobs, this is the closest and safest option. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting to me also that when people, really smart data scientists, approach mm-hmm. the, the job process, the interview process, all of these things, they forget to think about it like how a data scientist would, right? If you're building a model to predict if you'll get a job, the the relationships that you have in a, uh, you know, with people inside of the company, the number of recruiters you talk with mm-hmm. have a lot more predictive power on if you'll get that job than 
even how many uh, applications you like apply for, right? The traditional yeah. way. Yeah. And so it's like, well, you know, let's think about this problem as though, you know, it's a work problem or it's a data science problem because we'll, mm -hmm. we'll improve our chances. This is a great opportunity to use data science in your real life. I mean, exactly. as crazy as it sounds, if someone during the interview process at, at my company told me mm -hmm. they, they went about interviewing in a very systematic way like that, they're like, oh, I built this uh -huh. model about my success rate. I've been tracking my performance and I know that, oh. you know, I, I have a 7% higher <laughs> chance of getting an interview than the next guy because of XYZ. I mean, oh, I probably okay. shouldn't tell that to every <laughs> employer, but that to me would be okay. fascinating. I'd be like, yeah, let's get mm -hmm. it to the next round. <laughs> um, so, you know, a big part of your life now is doing some public speaking. I know you've done uh, as a TEDx talk, correct? Um, and one of the, the first in Germany, correct? Uh, I, I'd love to hear. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear that story of how that happened. And I'd yeah. also mm -hmm. love to hear more about, you know, that experience. How do you get comfortable mm -hmm. speaking in front of an audience? I know a lot of data scientists are a little more on the introverted side than the extroverted yeah. side. So, uh, I mean, if you look back at my speaking experiences, I was uh, an introvert at the beginning. So I, I never had a chance to speak in bigger stages at the beginning. So I slowly worked on my uh, shortcomings. So I had to work on my shortcomings. I just found where I was lagging and I started doing that repeatedly. So be it a smaller stage or a bigger stage, I started speaking out. So I went on to uh, speak with a lot of people. I went on to speak with a lot of uh, uh, conferences and uh, workshops. Start developing that as, as a side hustle to my job. And I was constantly conferences, international conferences and workshops. So uh, a, a couple of professors, uh, they invited me for a TEDx talk by seeing one of uh, my conference talks. And uh, to be honest, that was really surprising. And uh, who would miss out on a TEDx opportunity yeah, if okay. the opportunity is knocking at you? <laughs> so that's how I ended up as a TEDx speaker. But uh, I would say in general, Start speaking out. I mean, don't think about uh, the stage fear or the people in front of you. You will, of course, make mistakes. So while you are speaking in front of a huge audience, you will be nervous. That is for sure. And uh, you make mistakes. That's for sure. That's default. But don't worry. So everybody starts from zero. What you should have it, have it in mind. So start speaking and um, break the shackles. Uh, get onto the stage, grab a mic, speak something. Even if you fail, doesn't matter. It it, it is it is perfect. Uh, after a while, I mean, you have to do it repetitively. So, what are things that you are doing it in repetition comes good. So it comes it gets better after every time. So that's why I always uh, suggest people to speak out. So, I mean. The first time is always the hardest time. <laughs> so for anything, for anything, the very first time is always the hardest time. But if you break the shackles and do it, then for sure it, it comes by practice. Awesome. You know, there's, there's two things that I really liked about what you said. The first thing is that you said you started out as introverted. And, mm -hmm. you know, you might, you might still be introverted in a lot of settings. 
but yeah. you know, introversion, extroversion, the it's it's situation based, right? So yeah. some you know most people who are introverted when they're with their family or friends they're really close with, they're actually extroverted in that setting. And so yeah. this isn't something that is set in stone. It's not something that is static. It's mm-hmm. something that based again on the situation, you can condition yourself mm-hmm. to become very extroverted or very introverted. And mm-hmm. I, I think, again, a lot of people really don't understand that, you know, they just think that that's who they are. I, I am introverted. Mm-hmm. That's how I'm always going to be. And no, that is absolutely not the case there. I'll try and find some academic work that talks about the situational stuff and, and link that as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another thing that I really liked is that you talked about in each scale, one, iterating, looking at how you could improve, and two, slowly graduating higher and higher. I mean, yeah. any everyone is going to be nervous. I am nervous before I make videos. Um, mm-hmm. and, and YouTube was nice because at first when I was making them, I had such a small audience, right? And mm-hmm. I didn't have to worry about so many people watching <laughs> and all my mistakes, but it grew with my level of comfort. You know, now I speak to... Mm-hmm. A, a couple thousand people every video and I'm very comfortable because I, I've been conditioned as I've gone up, you know, it was first, it was 10 mm-hmm. then it was 20 and 40 and 80, whatever it might be. So um, yeah. it's all about finding those places and, and also talking about things that you're comfortable speaking on, right? If, if I have mm-hmm. done research and I know more about my research than anyone mm-hmm. else, it's yeah. going to be very easy for me to talk about it because nobody's, nobody's going to be like, hey, you're wrong. I'm like, no, I did all the research. I, I'm right. <laughs> yeah. So I think that those are just a couple of things I wanted to call out because I really liked uh, those elements of, of your story there. Uh, you know, yeah. one thing one thing we talked a, a little bit about with speaking or with, with anything really is finding the right opportunities for you. So whether that's job opportunities, again, speaking opportunities, mm-hmm. entrepreneurial opportunities, mm-hmm. um, you know, what can people do to really help themselves out there to be able to um, open as many doors as possible for themselves? I would um, uh, suggest people to to be multifaceted. So let's say uh, if you do one thing really better, just keep doing it, but at the same time, improve your uh, other aspects of life. So let's say uh, if you do data science really well, just focus on it for a while, just master the art. Of course, you cannot master the art of anything. So there is always a need of improvement in any cases. So uh, for sure you can, uh, let's say, work on things and practice a lot. So practice a lot, be it anything, be it data science, be it public speaking, practice a lot and not, Start knocking at doors. So there is there is this saying, right? Opportunity knocks at the doors only once. But I would say knock at the doors, keep knocking at the doors until the door falls. So somehow there will be a, a opening. And then what you should do is try to capitalize on things. So start working on the first opportunity, do it well. Start making it count do the second one well, do the third one well. So make it a habit. So keep going until you're done. <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, I, I think that there is a caveat when it comes to knocking those. So, you know, you have a very good network on LinkedIn. You've produced a lot of really good content, right? 
you know, you have done all of these speaking things, you have these uh, accolades to your name. And so, for example, if you reached out to me, I'd be a lot more likely to respond to it or engage with, with your communication than someone who, you know, has created a LinkedIn profile yesterday and doesn't even have a picture or something like that. Yeah. And so yeah. I think that there's, uh, it's really important to, to put some of your work out there to show and engage in a lot of these communities because I'm so much more likely to respond to someone or, or start a conversation with someone who has a track record. You know, just like, you know, just like getting a yep. job, if you don't have any projects or you don't have any work experience, <laughs> it's really hard to get recognition. You know, with this, it's it's easy to, to you know, respond to LinkedIn comments. So if someone, you know, has responded to, to 20 of my posts and asked really good questions on, on LinkedIn or on YouTube, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to respond to a message from them. They've engaged with me. I've seen their name before. I know who they are. So... <laughs> You know, that is part of that knocking process is that it doesn't have yep. to be a direct message on LinkedIn. It can be just engagement. Yep. It can be commenting. It can be exactly. starting exactly. those conversations. Exactly. Liking things, engaging with you, commenting on uh, some of your videos. So then you, you get an attention. Okay, this guy is, has been writing me for like uh, for a while. Maybe if he knocks my door, uh, I should just leave a word. So that's how once it start engaging so as you said it's not about creating a profile today and asking for an opportunity tomorrow so it, it's a process so believe the process and uh, for sure one day uh, you you will get it if you trust the process yeah well one one parallel i'd really like to bring up between your speaking engagements and communicating on linkedin is you know you were talking about how you start with the small groups and you're you're working on improving and those mm-hmm. things it's even easier to do that on LinkedIn, for example. You can start by just liking a bunch of stuff, right? That is engagement. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your little picture mm-hmm. pops up right there. And yeah. that that acclimates you to that engagement. And eventually, you know, maybe you can leave a couple of comments. Eventually, those types of things. You can start posting yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a very clear step process of how much engagement or how, how quote unquote, scary it might be to some people. So, you know, that's something... From from your experience, I think there's a broader, you know, maybe life lesson or or something in there. It's like there are ways to make all of these things into mm-hmm. scalable processes where the initial steps are not that scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we should try to do that in our lives. I know for me, you know, if I'm like looking at a new deep learning concept or something, I'm always mm-hmm. terrified. Oh my goodness, I don't want to, you know, there's so much to learn all these things. But if I lower the barrier, yeah. if it's like, oh, I just have to read this chapter in this book and then I'll, I'll worry about mm-hmm. implementing it later, it becomes so mm-hmm. much easier. So those are the main questions I really had for you. If you have anything you'd like to share, any kind of uh, final thoughts that you would like people mm-hmm. to hear, uh, I'll obviously link all of your connections, your LinkedIn. Do you have a Twitter as well? Yes. Okay, I'll link your LinkedIn, your Twitter, all of that stuff uh, for for anyone who's interested in communicating with you as well. But the floor is yours, whatever you would like to speak on. I would say just keep doing what you are good at. So that's one main thing I I used to say in in some of my interviews. So just, just relax, just chill, keep doing what you are good at and trust the process do it constantly so it's not about doing just once and waiting for the results 
so just do it consistently believe in the process and uh, for sure there will be an opportunity and whenever there is an opportunity grab it with both your hands and do that well and make it a habit <laughs> yeah well uh, one one thing i want to add to that is that you know you say the opportunity you grab it with both hands right a lot of people are like yeah. oh i have these two options I can do my master's in CS or I can do my master's in data science. What should I do? Mm -hmm. All of these things. And it's like, honestly, a lot of the time it doesn't matter, right? They're both good mm -hmm. opportunities. Just go with one and fully commit. Just like you said, grab it with both hands, really yep. dive in. Um, exactly. Because if you're, the, the doubt is a, a huge productivity killer. It, it makes you, exactly. you never want to deal with that. Just make your choice and fully commit, like you exactly. said. So uh, yes, thank yeah. you. This one Go ahead, go ahead. When you have taken a choice, uh, you should never regret. So it's just like, okay, I should have opted for that. I should have opted for this. Never that, uh, I mean, questions in the mind. So once you are committed, as you said, fully commit into a thing rather than thinking about options. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing is is to feel like you um, feel like you made the wrong choice. And that doesn't have to happen if you fully commit because... You can't ever undo anything, so <laughs> you should always <laughs> dive in. But thank you. This was so awesome. I, I think your perspective will be really helpful to people, especially when they're thinking about, you know, how to break into the job market, how to maybe get out of their comfort zone, uh, especially mm -hmm. with the speaking stuff. I mean, that for me is extremely valuable <laughs> as well. So, uh, you know, that's an area I would love to expand on. So thank you again. And uh, I will uh, hopefully talk to you again very soon. Yeah, thanks a lot, Kenji, and I wish you all the very best for uh, uh, the upcoming projects and uh, your career. And I'm hopeful about uh, 100K, uh, 100,000K soon. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we're getting close. Um, my goal is to yeah. get get past that by the end of the year, which I think is pretty comfortable. I don't want to yeah, sure. jinx myself. I'm sure so. about it. Yeah. <laughs> so wishing you all the best for that as well. Thank you.